Hi, I'm Nayland, and you are listening to the Massacast, a podcast for people 18 years of age and older. Hi, and thanks for downloading yet another episode. Uh, there are a number of ways you can uh, help the show. Uh, if you uh, donate, it's all anonymous. If I uh, I don't look at it, someone I'll just get the notification. Someone donated X amount, and I'm like, yay! Um, if you would like me to give you a shout out, uh, I would uh, yeah, you just send me a separate email saying, hey, I just donated, and feel free to and I'd love to you know. Promote my thing of whatever, my whipping class for colorblind people or whatever. You know, you can, you know, more than happy to do that. Uh, if you don't donate and you'd like me to promote your whipping class for for colorblind people, that's fine too. I can, yeah, no problem. Um, also, if you uh, are counting every penny and you just don't have enough to donate to the podcast, you know what really helps? is if you leave a review or just a rating on iTunes. The more ratings, the higher it bumps in the uh, in the iTunes store, which means more people can see it. Now, I understand that uh, you may not want your name associated with uh, reviewing a kinky podcast. Perfectly understandable. So what you can do is you can actually go into your iTunes account and change your display name so you can have your displayed name Larry42 or Level 42, the band, if you want to be the 80s band who sang the song Something About You. Anyway, that really helps the show. It helps bump it up, which means uh, even if you might not donate, someone who says, hey, what's this podcast? They listen and they might be able to donate. So that's how you can help. Uh, you're, you're basically saving the universe. Um, this episode, uh, it's Miss Kim from uh, London. She runs a whole bunch of fetish clubs and parties. Uh, in the, the London area, and it was really, really great to talk to her. As you can tell, she has a really interesting history. And, uh, you know, I, I've gone to plenty of uh, kink events in the past, and you just really don't know what goes on behind the scenes or or the uh, how the sausage is made, so to speak. And so this is, uh, this is pretty revealing stuff. So, And uh, obviously there's a lot of uh, uh, discussion about uh, what it was like to promote an event before the internet. And so that's really interesting. And yeah, so here's Miss Kim. I hope you enjoy it. You shot me an email about, what, it was about a month ago or so, a couple months ago, um, saying that you, you have run a kink event in London for the past, I mean, it's been a while. How many years has it been? Uh, it'll be 20 years next April. I've been a fetish club promoter. I, I wanted to tell you that you were re- your your um, Massocast was recommended to me by um, a lady that came to to one of my mistress workshops, and she was raving about it and said that you know she she'd got a lot of insight into the whole scene by listening to various podcasts, and she likes it because she can um, do her dishes and uh, change her you know kids' nappies and you know get get the housework done and listen at the same time. So she just was raving on about it and. I went uh, along and had a little listen to a few of them, and yeah, I thought they were great. You, you weren't totally disgusted? Nope, not, not at all. are not completely unprofessional, so... <laughs> um, Rather amusing, I thought. How, how does one become a fetish event promoter? Uh, I don't really know. I, I suppose 
I fell into it. I was social secretary at university, uh, the you know entertainment's officer. Mm -hmm. So I'd had a couple of years of doing that as a you know as a student. Um, so probably when I'd been on the fetish scene in London about six years, and the opportunity arose. I just thought, yeah, I think I can do that. And, and how does how does it arise that you were going to an event? You were going to several events, and someone a, a venue came up. A venue came up, and it was like, ooh, this would be a good place for a party. So, um, so that was it, really. The the the, uh, the first club was born, and I named it uh, the Rubber Nipple Club after a, a, a Ren and Stimpy cartoon. Well, perfect. If, you, if, yeah, you can, if you're going to exactly. do anything, if you, I, I, I live by the laws of if you can name whatever in your life based on Ren and Stimpy, you're going to have a. And I think it's a good idea for people to go and Google that particular episode because it, it is rather amusing when a horse comes to the front door dressed in rubber bloomers, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they try and sell him some rubber nipples, but he, he think he's a little bit of a serial killer. So that's a really, I used to watch it as a kid. I, do, I don't exactly. I don't know if I I mean I, I know now thinking back there was some really kinky stuff in Ren and Stimpy it was absolutely yes yes quite a few years ago now it must be 28 years and also ago the, can't be that I'm not that old the artist the guy behind the artwork of Ren and Stimpy I can't remember mm -hmm. his name now but he had a his, he has a company called Spumco mm. that's a very interesting <laughs> name but um, he has done several music videos. Um, and there, that those sounds are, like sperm and cum. You know, you're right. You're right. <laughs> well, there you go. You've already, I, I guarantee 90% of the audience already has fallen in love with you just because of the Ren and Stimpy <laughs> reference. I love Ren and Stimpy. So there you go. That was the name of the first club, the Rubber Nipple Club. So, and, uh, you know, it was this, the stuff of legends. <laughs> <laughs> well, what goes into – so what, well, you what know, do you do as a – Your first, you know, your first events, you, you put, you know, everything into them. Not that I don't put everything into them now, of course. But, uh, yeah, it was just back in the day when everything was – Oh, so much more exciting because you were doing it almost like for the first time. So, yeah. And back in the day, of course, everything was really underground. There was no internet. When you find when out about these things, you had to look at Ren and Stimpy cartoons and just <laughs> imagine. <laughs> well, how do you? How did you promote? I mean, did you? Was it with um, magazines or how do you? No, you, 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 you went to the parties, you said hello to people, you took their name and address, and then you posted them an invitation. Oh, yes, remember that. <laughs> well, I remember used to be you'd go to events in New York, and when you'd go to one, you'd have five or six people walking through the crowd handing out flyers for their parties. Yeah. yeah, well, we used to do that as well, but... You know, you you, you, you you capture your audience straight away, don't you? I'll send you a flyer. Then they're more likely to come along than forget who they've met or where they were supposed to go or what was the name of that venue. Right. So, yeah. But in our case, it was always – so there would be some promoter would – either it was a bar themselves or something. They would have uh, very attractive women in fetish clothing walking through, handing out – Flyers to whatever, you know, whatever the thing was. Yeah, well, I was the whole thing. 
<laughs> right, right. Well, there you go. And so you would, you were the very attractive Long woman in the fetish scene that was heading out the. Well, yeah, I used to mail out at the Heights. I used to mail out to twelve hundred um, addresses. Wow. Yeah. And you just send it to people's mailing home address. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which would? There was no internet. Right. Well, but I, mean, I guess my my question is, how do you? Because I mean, there's got to be a lot of people who did not want they they wanted to find the information out, but they because they didn't want their roommates or maybe their spouses or whatever to know, or maybe they didn't want their parents to know. How did they did they give you a PO box of some kind, or how did that? I suppose there was a few PO boxes in there, or I suppose people had them sent to their friends, or right. you know, there was probably a few different ways, but. Um... So what was so they were all flyers. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you, you 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 said when you were first starting to promote these things that you would throw everything at them. You know, you'd do everything. I yeah. assume now what you also mean by that is that there's stuff that you maybe were were doing that was overkill that you wouldn't do today because it's just not necessary yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. What are, what are what type of things would those be? Some things that were like. I just wrote my friends into doing all different sorts of performances and get them to do, you know, things that they were good at, you know, stupid things mainly. You know, the Rubber Nipple Club was um, a, a fun a fun night that really didn't take itself too seriously. You know, you have to have your own unique selling points, and that was the Rubber Nipple Club. It was just fun, fetish fun. I uh, it must have been about seven years ago. Um, a friend and I went to the UK and then we went to, to uh, Paris for a couple of days. And we were, were able to spend, because we didn't want it, we were staying at a hotel that was really just terrible, terrible hotel. And so we decided, well, we're just going to go out and we'll stay out all night and then we'll catch the channel in the morning. Uh, and so we had such a unique experience because we're, first of all, we were carrying our luggage with us to all these different fetish events. And... Um, <laughs> We went to three different events, and we were so surprised at the varying tastes at all the different events. One was clearly uh, just uh, fetish gear, right? Uh, people just dressed up in fetish gear. There was no um, performances, so, so to speak. There were no, like, you know, uh, there was no kink act going on anywhere. Um, another one uh, was heavy on the kink, and the performances, there was a woman by the name of, I want to say, Mouse. Oh, yes. She's still around. Who was shooting various food products out of her... Vagina. And her anus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... So you must have gone to the Sex Maniacs Ball, or or, uh, as as it's called now, Night of the Senses. It was a very small pub that was, like, turned into a kink party for one night is what it felt like. Really? Maybe they were, because they do the erotic Oscars. It's a charity. It's a charity (laughs) event. And uh, each year they have their erotic Oscars. So they, people um, like dancers and performance artists and, you know, the like. They they pitched up against each other for the final push. So probably it was that. It was probably the uh, the was, finals. It was not. It, maybe it, it was. It was a bit of a very small venue. I want to say you know it was, it was. It was pretty small, and I was surprised that because you would not get away with doing a. I'm going <laughs> to throw stuff out of my orifices in New York. I look at my friend, and she was like, 
my friend who's, who's deaf and she signed, she was, so she was doing sign language the whole time. And she was like, she did the, she did the sign for Holy fuck. And <laughs> because like this would never happen in New York. And I don't know if it was just like, Oh, this stuff can go on there. I mean, so is there, a, is, are there limits of what you can do at a kink event? Like at a public kink event or. Well, you can't, when you can't have sex. Okay. Um, in, in a London at a public event where you pay to go through the door. Because that constitutes a disorderly house, which is uh, another name for a brothel. Right. You pay to go into somewhere and there's a sex act, then therefore you've paid for a sex act. So ah, right. they turn a blind eye to things like that going on in the suburbs. So this was sort of out. This was not in central London. This was sort Wasn't of out. It? Right. It was a little out of the way. Yeah, Maybe but that's why. so big, you might have just thought it was in the suburbs. But Could be. It, probably just a little bit out of the center you know there's you know london's huge yeah and the suburbs i mean beyond the m25 <laughs> <laughs> right okay so yes it was within then it was yeah well um and do you remember the name of the other clubs oh, could one of them have been club rub it's it's quite possible one was a very large uh it was very large venue there were um i was really surprised because we were um, what, what always ha had to happen was, is there were a, a lot of couples that would come up to my friend because she was deaf. I had to translate for her. <laughs> and what was surprised me was, um, how very forward, uh, the people were that, you know, that we had couples coming up to her and asking her basically if they wanted to come home. Of course they were asking through me. So yeah. I'd have to say, do you want to go home with them? Meanwhile, I'll just kind of hang around <laughs> Paddington Station or something, you know, I don't know. And so she, I, we would like do this negotiation. I was like, I was really surprised how forward these couples were. Um, yeah. Do you know, it, it, it still happens today, but it seemed to happen a lot years ago. I think when the scene was much more underground, I think you felt a little bit safer, you know, like people don't know what we're doing sort of thing. Mm. I mean, I can remember for many, many years, I, I wouldn't tell people, you know, what I did on a Saturday night or, or what I was involved with. I think as as the internet has taken over our whole lives, you know, we've, people have, not we, because I've known about it for a very long time, but, but people have started to be aware of it and get a greater understanding of it. And I think it's diluted it to a large extent I mean, years ago you felt like you were in some sort of secret society you felt like you were in something special you just was it was just extraordinarily wonderful i know what you mean um huh. i don't know what that feeling is um people it's who doing are doing something that nobody else is doing and that nobody knows about well also you had to in order to attend a lot of these, the only way you to find out is is through someone. To, or this is going to sound maybe egotistical or something, but, but if you were a good person, I was going to say cool, but, yes. but maybe cool, yeah, cool. But if you were a cool person, someone else would someone else who was cool would invite you to that event, right? They telephone so, you back back in the day. It was a telephone call, right? Right. But they, but but what what this meant was is. Only it was sort of a self-correcting system because only cool people would yeah. ask other cool people true. or nice people. You would just have an event with just nice people, right? Yeah. Because that's how 
because it would they would not allow assholes to show up right or or douchebags and yeah. so so what this made was this made a very a, a, a very small but a uh, place that was u- unique in that everyone had the same mentality everyone i mean this might, that sounds bad but it, because everyone was cool, right? Because only cool people would ask yeah. the other cool people, and so, um, and so that would make the event even more amazing. And you're right about the fact that you felt like you're in this secret society that nobody else knew about, and yeah. it was so difficult to it was so difficult to find these places. You had to really want it, you at least if you were to, at least if you were yeah. a single submissive guy. It wasn't <laughs> a fashion thing. It wasn't a you know Beyonce's wearing rubber. Oh, let's go. You know, it, it was it was something you wanted to do, which is why I said I was a fetishist. I was thinking about it earlier on, and I think, yeah, that defines me more than anything. I'm a old school fetishist. Yeah. Well, it used to be. <laughs> this is such a. This is turning into me saying in my day. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, God, am I coming out across as being really old? But of course, I started very, very young. Well, let's talk about what, let's almost talk about a child. Your, so I'm not that old. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about how you got into it. When you said you were very, very young, when you started, Do you know what? I was in San Francisco. That's where it started. I'd been living there um, for a year, and then I went back a couple of years later to see my friend. We went south of Market. Saw two transvestites cross the road and walk into Hamburger Mary's, and we went, let's follow them. So we followed them into the bar, and uh, they looked at us, and we looked at them, and we started talking. And um, my friend Elaine stayed stayed friends with them when I, you know, left and, and gone back to England. And, um, you know, she, she formed a friendship with both of them. And when one of them, Mistress Kay... A transvestite mistress uh, was coming over to London. She called me and she said, can Kay call you? And I went, yeah, yeah. So she called me and she said, oh, George, come to this little S&M club with us. And I went, ooh, uh, well, I'd never heard of anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was like, I kind of heard of it, but it was like, I don't know, I don't know. I said, well, I don't know. So she got a friend, Mark, guy lived in London to call me and uh, he promised to hold my hand and I remember the very first night it was at a club called Submission and uh, I just felt like I'd come home I just felt like this was where I was meant to be in the world what was that what was what was happening at the event that was such a big trigger for you well you know that it, it, <laughs> Fetish clubs haven't changed very much. I mean, there was there, there was a little bits of dungeon equipment and there was dancing to house music. There was lots of socialising. Everybody was in fetish dress code because there's always been a dress code here in London, a really strict one as well. Um, and, and, you know, they haven't changed that much over the last 20-odd years. Um but yeah, so yeah, I just felt, I don't know, I felt like I fitted in. You, did you just start making friends there? Is that a... Yeah, straight away. And I don't know, I just, I 
just I just connected with these people. I, I have to say that when I first came to London, I found the rock and roll scene, which was all about jiving and vintage cars and, you know, dressing the part. And I did learn to jive, but I never kind of felt like I fitted in with that crowd. Then I kind of hung out with the Henley lot, you know, people who spoke very posh and um, kind of never really felt like I fitted in with them. And so kind of flitted from one group to the next, then all of a sudden find myself in some very strange company <laughs> and felt like I fitted in. <laughs> the The venue situation in London is, is pretty serious. I mean, two events um, ceased operation last year, uh, decadence and subversion, whether they'll, you know, resurrect themselves again, I don't know. Well, I've heard of, I've heard of both. Uh, but, what was um, the reason behind it? Just not making enough money? or can't find any venues. It's really difficult to find venues. Why? Why is what, what's changed? Uh, the recession has meant that uh, a lot of them have um, are struggled and and have therefore have had to close down. And there's a big building boom here in London, so a lot of venues have sold up. Right. You know, cut their losses, sold up, and made more money on selling the land that they're on. So. You know, there isn't a week goes by when I don't hear of another place that's closed or another place that's closed. So, you know, I'm I'm touching wood currently at this very precise moment that I don't lose my club rub venue. So, because um, I would probably go by the same way that the other two clubs have gone. How do you? So, when you find a, a venue, how do you approach? The owners are the owners usually also in the scene, or is it no, like in the scene? They're just they're just venue owners, right? Um, I just just ask them, can I rent the place? And and really, I'm lucky because I've got some a lot of history, <laughs> right? Well, but so, how, how and you... I found that you know in the past that's uh, worked for me. You know, the one of the venues that I use for Rubber Cult, um, he wasn't going to. Um, rent it out in the same capacity, you know, like to promoters. But um, as we'd worked together in the past, he said, yeah, let's work together. So, you know, I was lucky that I'd worked with him before. I'd used one of his venues in the past. So it's, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Sure, sure. Well, <laughs> I, I imagine, too, we, if you're going to someone and they've, you've never rented from them before. I just tell them. You, you, so they're yeah. not like... I mean, because I imagine no, there's a lot of like completely freaked out by it. Like, I don't no. want this going on in my, you know. No, never experienced that. Wow. I know some of the I know some of the other clubs have, but I have never experienced that. Not in twenty years. I've never had anybody say I can't use their venue because I've been a fetish club. Right. You know, that's great. That's great. To if hear. we can both make it work, I'm hiring. Sure. Know? Yeah. And um. So let's let's go back to your history a little bit. So you start going to events. You, you're you're in San Francisco, then you're in London, um, and you, you know. Yeah, just the the prior to starting a fetish club, I was just a girl about town. You know, I went to everything, everything, and I collected names and addresses. You know, you 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 collect someone's phone number, and you you know, it was all about phone numbers. You know, making friends and. So come the time that I decided to start my own event, I was, you know, fully loaded with addresses and all the necessary. Right. <laughs> Everything that you needed. But um, the Rubber Nipple Club was just a two years and then I started Club Rub. 
So it's been Club Rub. It'll be Club Rub's 18th birthday next April. 18? 18 years old. How has it changed it, since uh, in the last 18 years? Um, it's, it's a lot tamer. <laughs> it's a lot tamer. I suppose back in the day we were a lot more underground and, I don't know, you just... In that underground status, I suppose you felt like you could be naughtier. Everybody's got a phone now, you know, with a camera on it, with a video device on it, straight onto Facebook, you know. Right. So I suppose, you know, the people aren't so naughty as they used to be. Um, not not in, in a kind of overtly sexual way. I mean, people still play on the equipment. A lot of spanking goes on and, you know, et cetera. CP stuff. How um, do you don't a lot of because I know a lot of places they have a no camera phone rule. Yeah, well, we say we say that, but I occasionally see people, and uh, yeah, I read them the riot act. And then do you, do you, there's just because people are just so used to taking pictures of everything yeah, that's around them. Exactly, they don't even think about it. And to, just to say to people, you can't bring your phone out with when everything's on it, right. you, like, like a map. Right, right. <laughs> like, like their ticket to come in. Right. No, it's just uh, extraordinary now, but you just have to keep an eye out for things. You know, I tell people it's not for my benefit. I'm pretty public. Everybody knows what I do. But, um, you know, if you see somebody with a camera phone, you might, might be the one who needs to tell them to put it down. So you said now everyone knows. Uh, what point did you kind of come out? Because it used, to, it used to be a point. In... Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. What's that? When I told my parents. And how did you, how did you tell them? Uh, well, they they asked me, actually. I think um, they could tell that I was just keeping something back from them. So my mother just uh, came straight out, plucked up the courage and, and asked me. And I said, well, if you want to know, I'll tell you. And um, I said, I run a fetish club. And she went, oh, oh I could see the visible. And <laughs> she was just relieved that I don't, I don't know, or wasn't a drug dealer or a prostitute maybe. I don't know. But right. she, was, she was very, very relieved that it wasn't uh, all of those weird things that she got in her head um, and that fetish was something that um, she had no idea about. So therefore was fine. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, so, so you say you identify as a fetishist. Yeah. How does that, what, what is that, because uh, that could mean many, many, many different things. What is that for you? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's the dressing up. I love the dressing up. I love rubber. I, I even like leather. Uh, I love uh, different uniforms. It's, it's very visual for me. I absolutely love hoods particularly rubber hoods, and I've got my own website called hood-lovers.com, hoodlovers.com. It's just lots and lots of galleries of people in hoods, which I love. Um, So it's it's more the the dressing up side of things for me, although I do enjoy BDSM, but in private. So I'm a private player rather than a public one. Yeah. Do you find that because you're... Does that maybe have to do because you, you, you're at so many events for you being in private is more almost more risque because you're so often at it? I think sometimes when you um, portray that personality, that part of your personality or that part of your persona, you become a bit more public property. And I wouldn't want to be hounded when I'm out. I, I, I like to choose who I play with and not be chosen. Right. 
What have you noticed as far as the crowd? Has the crowd changed dramatically in the last 18 years? Yeah. You, um, they're not They're not so playful anymore. What do you mean? They're just not as naughty. <laughs> People used to be very naughty. I mean, I, over the years, I've seen some very naughty things happening in clubs. And, right. But they just people just don't seem to get on it anymore. Get get down and dirty and yeah. What is that? Why? why I mean, is there anything in particular? Well, is it because like, that- I said, like I said before, it could be the you know the camera phone thing. You know, you could at any moment be straight on a social network site instantly. Twitter instantly. You know. I wonder if it also has something to do with the fact that it doesn't feel like this private club anymore. Yeah, well, exactly. Because there was something, even though it was so difficult to find and it wasn't sort of out there, it wasn't like these most of these clubs were so private. It was just that you had to kind of know someone or you had to be in a certain, at the right place at the right time to find out about the event anyway, right? And it yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't like it was, you know, it was being advertised too heavily for one reason or the other. Yeah. And so um, there was some sort of safety in in, and it almost felt like whatever happens here stays here. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was no evidence. Was there? <laughs> right, right. You know I mean? There was half a there was half a dozen photographers at a, at a big event, but uh, you know, did you ever see any of those pictures? You know, we always used to wait in eager anticipation for Skin Two magazine to come out, and hoped and prayed that we'd be one of the photographs picked out of the hundreds and hundreds that were taken. You know, most of them never seen ever again. Right. Um, you know, and it was, uh, you know, you bought a copy of Skin Two and you poured over it, over it. You read it, you reread it, and you read it, and you showed it your friends, and you, know, yeah, yeah, because that was the only place you got to see images. Imagine life with no internet. Where would you see images of fetish, uh, fetish um, images? Nowhere. Books. I mean, look at books. I mean, there's hardly any books nowadays, but you wouldn't print a book up because every image that you could ever want to see is on the internet. So. Right, right. Well, there, were, there was a – that was something I completely forgot about, that there would be these events where um, there would be, like you said, like five or six people, almost all guys, with – Yep. These extremely expensive cameras. Yep. And you're right. I have no idea what it what I know. I don't, I don't know if it was you like just, to go back to some archives somewhere and just look for pictures of yourself. <laughs> I do know one one guy in particular would uh because there was some sort of at least at, at some at some parties, not all the parties, but there was some sort of access that because he had a camera, some woman some women would give him more attention. <laughs> Because he had a camera, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense to me. That they, they, they would, they would like camera holes, <laughs> and so he probably didn't even have film in it, you know. But exactly because he would, and he admitted that that. Oh, listen, if you get yourself a really expensive looking camera, yeah, they, you know, they think you're either a fetish photographer or there's something or whatever. Um, well, you remember back in the day, everybody put a film in the back of a camera. Right, you, know, right, I mean, you, right. did, you didn't go around the club taking loads of pictures. You just took pictures of the best-looking people. Right. You right. know, and there was a long period of time where I'm like, why does nobody take a picture of me? Then I discovered hoods. <laughs> <laughs> and weird wins the day. <laughs> weird, weird wins the day. Weird was, wins the day. Uh, are there rules that you used to have that you don't have anymore or vice versa? 
that you that for some reason I mean obviously the camera phone one is one, but um, is there anything else? Like I know that there used to be a time when you you could only um, there you could it was sort of admitted yes you can play around if you're going to go into one of these back rooms you you can play in the front area they didn't want anyone playing because if you know if the, occasionally the police would show up the police would not they wouldn't go into the back areas they the police would show up they would just look into the front area and as long as they weren't seeing anything too crazy they would be all right that's fine and they'd leave because here you can't have um, you can't have uh, nudity here if right. you're if you're serving alcohol you can't have nudity because that would mean it's a strip club or whatever okay. um do, is there, do you have something similar there too or it, well it's, it's changed and evolved over the years um just it's just dependent upon when you're talking about i mean now you know i wouldn't have a back room there wouldn't be any sex going on i wouldn't chance it um Plus the fact, I think, you know, there are events all in and, in and around London for swingers to go and have sex at. I do know that fetishists also like to have sex at parties, but, um, you know, get, wait till you get home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't want to get shut down just because, I mean, the very, the first time I was at the current venue, which was in June of last year, um, there was a little back room that uh, some people decided to have sex in and leave the used condom on the floor. Well, the next month, um, the hire fee had gone up £100 and we weren't allowed to use the back room anymore. Wow. So, um, yeah, some ignorant person... And there was a massive big bin in there. I and mean, why somebody going to dropped it in the bin, I don't know. But, you know people get caught out and, I guess, I guess. Well, you know who pays the price of course yes of course <laughs> have you found that's because some of the other events are shutting down that you're getting more people no, showing not up busy. i think not i mean i don't know uh, christmas was really busy and uh, it's fantastic night um but i don't think so i think each club has its kind of little posse i don't feel like I have a clique. Um, I talk to everybody. I don't have set group of friends. Very gregarious like that. So I don't know. I haven't noticed any increase. I'm waiting. <laughs> well, you know, I've got quite a few different events on FetLife. So I do meet people who come to the free fetish speed dating who have never been to Club Rob. But I just think, you know, come on, guys. <laughs> so you do a you do a fetish speed dating? Yeah, I do a free fetish speed dating, bringing love to the kids. <laughs> what is that like? Uh, well, I, I, I've got an event next Tuesday, and it's already looking like the busiest night I think I've ever had. I normally get about fifty people max, but already eighty people have said they're going. When I predicted this, because you know what happens in the new year, don't you? My resolution is I'm going to find somebody to love. Right, right. <laughs> so how does this? How, so uh, well, it's just like any other speed dating. You know, I I, I label the the chairs, you know, nu numerically, and I give people a number, and they have to go and sit there, and then, you know, they move around, and I I take a timer. I've got a bell. And as soon as the three minutes are up, I scream at everybody, move along. How and do you, but, but, but dividing people up, because yeah, you. It's, it's, it's easy. The men come first, yeah, and I make them sit down straight away. 
And then as the ladies arrive, I put them in a holding area. And then when, <laughs> when I feel like I've got enough ladies, which is never enough, so I sit them every other one. I um, gotcha. Yeah. And then, uh, then I mean, once every, once the last lady sat down, we, we start. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun, noisy affair as everybody's chatting. So, I am, so you have, uh, let's say you have 50 guys and then you have, what, 50, you know, 20, 30 20. women, right? Yeah, like that? yeah that's right. That, you're about right. <laughs> um, and then how long, how much of time do you, do you allow them to... It just depends. If I look around the room, and if I think I can do five minutes, I'll do five minutes. If it looks like I've got too many, and so I'll do three minutes. But you know what? They all stay around afterwards and, you know, talk to whoever they had got their eye on, you know? So sure. it works. It works, and it's nice. It's fun. Do you do you screen? Like, do you say, okay, if you're a submissive no. guy, you've got to be... No, no it's no. free. Right. So, so, so it's free. you come <laughs> along, you take your chances. So they, ha- when they sit down, a woman might sit down and go, "Oh, she's oh, you're a dominant guy. Never mind." And then they just chat about the weather for the rest of the three minutes exactly. or whatever. That's exactly. interesting. That's interesting. Um, that is, I, I, I have supposed been... to give back a bit of something, though. You know, I take so much after the fetish scene with workshops and clubs that you know this is my bit, a little bit of giving back. That's nice. That's very nice. Yeah. The the um, I was at <laughs> I was at a, a a kink speed dating thing. This would have been probably seven eight years no maybe nine years ago, and uh, they had a ton of guys. But it was specifically going to be dominant women, submissive men. So what happened was you had you know five okay not I was going to say five hundred but you probably had like twenty or thirty guys and you had three women and. The organizer had to pay some of her pro dom female <laughs> friends to show up, and the pro dom female felt were like they were not interested in anybody. It was just like the worst. You're, so you're sitting down talking to them, and they're like they have no desire to. They're like, oh god, another asshole. It's like people, su- people suggest, oh, why don't you do one of these? Why don't you do one? Of these? And I go, no, a man and a woman, single, preferably. And then that's it. You get right. on with it yourself. <laughs> right. Well, because if you're in an alternate, I, I, I have guy friends who uh, are gay and they're like, they have, they have their own, they have grinder and they have all these other tools that they, they have no desire to, you know, they're like, that it would be a step back taking, you know, doing a uh, speed dating thing would be a step back for them because they're like, look, we've already, we're already on speed dating 5.0. You're on 1.0 right now. Yeah. Speed dating where you don't even have to really talk to each other. Right, right, right. <laughs> It's the ideal speed dating. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, well, what, what is your? You, you said you have a whole bunch of different events. You do club rub. You do. Um, you do this I, fetish speed dating. What else do you do? I do a mistress workshop every month, and it's for beginners. And it's just a basic overview. It's more motivational. You know, I always say uh, you're not it unless you're doing it. You know, well, I'm the queen of Sheba. <laughs> what is really? the, so what is that Sheba? what type of what what have you noticed have you noticed uh a trend as far as the people who show up and the no uh, no really just you know women who've been in long-term marriages um g- young girls who just want to like find themselves some cute slave um women who want to be pro-doms um you, just just anything and everything that you can possibly imagine and when you get 
what is the pro dom scene there like? Is it pretty active? Is it? Are, is, are there it's strict huge. rules? Really? Is it huge? <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And I mean, I think uh, well, you know, by the time they've come to the end of the lesson, I, the last half an hour I dedicate to. Um, the pro-dom bits and bobs, I call it. So it's just setting yourself up and, and what you do and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I find that, uh, you know, they after they've got to the end of that, they do think, oh, oh, didn't know there was quite so much involved in becoming a pro-dom. You, they, I think girls just think you grab a whip and a slave comes running. And, <laughs> <no. laughs> and I also teach a latex workshop. So I teach people how to work with latex. But I don't teach pattern cutting, so I can't, teach anybody how to cut a pattern that is a really really skilled but i can show ways around it and i always advise people to start off making accessories which are all easy to you know make yourself a belt you know make yourself a little um uh, forage cap and 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 armbands and mittens all of these things aprons all of these things are really easy to make and you know you add them to your existing outfits and you look like you've got a new wardrobe so i encourage people to do that when they uh when they come to the latex workshop Has and very, it, very few people go on to really really you know follow it up and, and and put some effort into it but i i've equally done similar things you know i went to a taxidermy class and you got to the end of the class and i thought mm, perhaps won't do this as a kind of a hobby perhaps i've just done this once i've got my little mouse <laughs> with the top hat on i'm happy sometimes you just do things for the you know right. the of it so right. uh, well yeah is so the rubber scene is it because i i, I mean i i know people who it's huge, yeah they spend i mean they're they have separate closets of nothing but rubber right <laughs> and like, like the, and it's huge here. It's really, really big. In fact, yeah, I mean, I put a poll up today on the Club Rub website. And, I mean, I would got to 15 UK. I, I, I kept it to UK designers. And I got to about 15. And then I posted it on FetLife. And I said, did I miss anybody? And then everybody came back at me with all these extra names. And it's like, oh, my God, I've missed another five at least who were like, fairly well-known, quite big, you know, and it's like there's about 20 really well-known UK designers. So, but that's great because I've just started a, well, not just, um, another club called Rubber Cult. It's a couple of years old now and it's dedicated to rubber. So every single person in there, every single person in there is wearing rubber, which is quite a sight. It really is. Is, has the I'm I'm always interested in how technology changes things for both the better and the worse, you know, for or the worse. And then there, there's um, so many different industries and so many different uh, things that change just because of the internet. There was a time not too long ago when you it would take, you know, people would save up. I, I had friends who they would save up all year round just to get one rubber outfit, right? Uh. Um, is the cost still huge? Has the internet yeah. changed that in any way or? No, it's still huge. No, it's, I mean, you know, obviously there are different designers who have different price ranges Sure. and there's, there's, you know, cheap to expensive. So, but you only get what you pay for. Paris seem to be more, uh, swinger oriented. I gathered. Yeah, when they've, I was got, there. they've got a couple of events, haven't they? But, um, yeah, they're not really, I have to say, I've only ever been to um, Berlin once to 
um, Kit Kat Club. I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot about it. My favorite place, my favorite place is the Fort Lauderdale Florida Fetish Factory Party. Oh, my God. I love that. Really? I would have imagined oh. that. Love it. Well, may- maybe you're right. Probably for you because it's all fetish. It's all rubber, mm, it's right? Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> See, that's, I think that's the biggest difference. For some reason, people in the UK especially really love Florida, whereas if you knew – I mean, Florida in the United States is sort of the, you know, little special child of the United States. If you were to break up the states into different personas, Florida would be that asshole idiot <laughs> brother that you're just like, you fucking, you fuck everything up every year. You're just an idiot. You're an idiot. Well, you did it better than me. I don't know. I well, no, but that's why. That's why. Young and sexy. That's well. That, that's just it. The uh, people from everyone else thinks that, you know, it's really, really attractive, mm. you know, and, and that's great. Yes, that's true. But if you spend any amount of time, more than more than a vacation, you just you're like, man, just a horrible, horrible person, horrible person. But you're right. If you in small doses, in small doses, very, very nice. You're absolutely I share right. the same anniversary with Glenn and Donna. So we're both 18 years next year. Oh, this year. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah. They've been to Club Rob. They have? They have. Yeah, nice. Well, if someone is coming to London, they should yep. obviously time it so they can go to one of your events as well. And they should also Absolutely. say, hey, I heard you on the Massacast. And- yeah, and there are all my dates right through to December are on the Club Rub website. Wow. So yeah, uh, yes. we'll have a, a link to uh, Club Rub. And is there is there a link to all of your other events on the Club Rub website, or should it, you? All of the all of the workshops are on the Club Rub website, but then there's a whole other website for Rubber Cult because it's uh, a club that I uh, have a partner, um, uh, Synth Icon. I I run it with her. She's a very young and enthusiastic rubberist, so she's cool. That's great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh no, it's been it's been great to chat, and I hope you're willing to come back on again. And there's got, there's so much more we can talk about. I know. I'm thinking that we just scraped the surface, darling. It's perfect. <laughs> well, this was a great introduction for you and I, and also you and the listeners. And so, um, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks. See you soon. You can find Miss Kib uh, at clubrub.com. That's club-rub.com. You can find all of her details, her Twitter login, or her Twitter, not her login. No, I promise. We're not going to post the username and password for just the Twitter username so you can follow her on Twitter. And um, yeah, all the other stuff is on MasterCast.com. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. And uh, you can also find this on uh, SoundCloud now, too. Username MasterCast. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.